We're kind of wrapping three GM episodes into one big one. We're going to answer burning questions about three of the World Series favorites because we figure, all right, you know what? Like these three teams, and we're going to talk about, who would we say? The Dodgers, the Astros, and who was the third? The San Diego Padres. The San Diego Padres. Like they're done. They're a finished product right now in the grand scheme of the offseason, and they should be three of the five or six favorites to win the World Series. We're not going to, like, try and improve them through minor trades or anything. I just have, like, some questions as to what they need to do in order to raise that trophy at the end of the year. I've also got a super fucked up story off the top that has nothing to do with baseball. Uh, and then there was an article on The Athletic that was kind of a group think. Um, Jim Bowden and Rob Beertemple, who's the uh, beat writer for the Pirates on The Athletic, uh, kind of crowdsourced like trade proposals for Brian Reynolds. And we want to go through our three favorites, which are just crazy. But Peter, you wearing a vest. I'm wearing a turtleneck. We said new year, new us, new year, new us, new background. We're also back in the just baseball office. Uh, you said it off the top, kind of giving me 11 from stranger things vibes. And yeah. um, I think it makes sense. That shows a little bit crazy. And these Brian Reynolds trades are insane. And we have a lot of synonyms for the word crazy, which I want to find once we talk about these. And if we have time, we might get to my MVP snubs. Uh, I wrote an article on JustBaseball.com of the top 10 MVP snubs of all time. And I have three that I want to break down, but we may not get to it. We have a lot to talk about, Jack. And we're linking it in the show notes. So if we don't get to it, then you can just go read. And even if we do get to it, we're going to go through maybe three, maybe four, but there are what, 10 in there? 10. And I could have added three, four, five more. It's funny, the this exercise, I didn't want to make it about uh, just a war discrepancy because a lot of these stats the voters didn't have. And I also didn't want to take away an important facet of the voting, which is you need the player on the team to be one of the best teams. That's an important part of voting. Now, do I necessarily agree with the voting? No. I think that if you are the best player, this is not basketball. This is not the NFL where the quarterback makes the biggest difference. This is baseball. We see it with Shohei Otani. We see it with Mike Trout. But that's not how the voters see it. So I'm not going to take that away from them. But they still made incredible mistakes that must be spoken about. There we go. Okay, so we may get to that at the end. Off the top, I want to talk about soccer. Actually, will you enter, were you will you entertain me on a soccer conversation here? I'll just sit here and nod and pretend I know what you're talking about. No, I mean, this is like actually, so you hear about all the crazy drama and the crimes committed in like European soccer and everything. If you haven't watched the FIFA documentary, you should watch the FIFA doc on Netflix. But um, I think the most soccer thing just happened to the U.S. men's national team. Obviously, the U.S. men's national team, the darling of the month of November and December with the World Cup and all that. Do you remember the name Gio Reyna? Yeah, who was sitting on that the was, bench? Yeah, that was one of the names that I mispronounced when we were talking about that initially, and you corrected me. So now I'll always know about Gio Reyna. 
Perfect. So Gio Reyna, one of the young stars of American soccer, plays a Borussia Dortmund, uh, was relegated to like a bench role when we were expecting him to be a starting forward for the U.S. men's national team. That was not the case. And there was um, a story that came out at the end of the World Cup that said Reyna apparently was just acting like a little bitch in in practice and the team like confronted him about it and um, you know, he he whipped into shape, but then he learned that he learned like pre-World Cup that he was going to be in a limited role. He was pouting and sulking, like not practicing hard. So the team got after him and then, you know, all, all problems were were resolved. Right. Um, Greg Berhalter, the U.S. men's national team head coach. His contract as the head coach of the U.S. men's national team expired on December 31. It has not been renewed a couple days ago. A story came out that Greg Berhalter, when he was 18 years old in 1991, shin kicked his girlfriend in an argument. Like 18 year old Greg Berhalter in 1991 was so mad at his girlfriend that he like kicked her in the shins. Um, apparently it was like at a bar or something. Okay. They are now married. They've been married for, you know, 30 years. Right. Uh, but that just came out. Okay. Why did it just come out? Apparently, Gio Reyna's dad, who is teammates with Greg Berhalter on the U.S. men's national team back in the 90s, was texting U.S. soccer executives that he had some tea on Greg Berhalter because his kid was sitting on the bench. And he and his wife leaked the domestic violence uh, charges to U.S. soccer because their son was benched. So they surfaced domestic violence charges against the U.S. men's national team coach 30 years later. How fucked up is that? That is the most petty thing I have ever heard. Yeah. I have no words. I don't know how to react to that. That is just disgusting i guess on both sides on both don't sides kick your on wife in the shins i you know, think like we're not like we should just get away from that aspect of it like right, like obviously not... that was fucking bad that he did yeah. that that was really bad but i mean this is and we are the just baseball show we're talking about soccer here i just thought like this turn of events was crazy obviously you never condone shin kicking or obviously domestic abuse or anything like that 30 years later to hang it over his head because he's not playing your kid is crazy. Crazy. Is anything, is anything going to happen to the head coach because no, of this? I mean, he's probably not going to have his contract renewed. Like he's, you know, relatively fired. So this will hurt him. Like yes. this is, oh my gosh. This is crazy, right? Oh, if I'm the head coach, yeah, I am so losing my freaking mind i know it just a crazy crazy story so if you want to read any more about it google you know uh greg berhalter g-r-e-g-g-b-e-r-h-a-l-t-e-r or google claudio reyna who's geo reyna's dad uh r-e-y-n-a i mean this is so wild and this is like some shit that you see in european leagues and it, here it is in american soccer but we can are get they to gonna baseball. kick off are they gonna kick off geo reyna no, probably not. I mean, it's his dad that leaked that shit. You know what I mean? So it's obviously they were talking. I don't know, dude. I have no idea what's going to happen. And like, obviously super shitty on both sides. But I thought that was 
the the craziest drama that I've seen in a while in sports. All right, now that we're on this crazy trend, it's these aren't as crazy as that. Let's get to burning questions after. And so I pulled up synonyms for crazy. Yes. And we're going to go over these Brian Reynolds trades. Yes, um, correct. I have a couple for you. Um, unhinged, yeah. unstable, demented is a perf- is a favorite of mine. Yeah. Deranged, lunatic, not in one's right mind, or non compos mentis, which I think is Latin. Okay. Latin. What do you that like? That sounds Latin. I like um, demented personally. Okay. So again, <laughs> this is what happens. So Jim Bowden, former Major League Baseball GM and you know current writer at the Athletic. And Rob Beer Temple, the beat writer for the Pirates via the Athletic, like crowdsourced a bunch of trades that were pitched, like fans pitched trades for Brian Reynolds. And to read the whole story, obviously go to the Athletic. There are like 10 proposals in there. I took three and I just want to like address these and we'll pick the best synonym. So I've got Mariners, Cardinals and Red Sox. Let's start with the... Start with the Mariners. Okay. Cool. Ryan M., who is what I presume to be a Pirates fan, pitched Brian Reynolds to Seattle for George Kirby, Matt Brash, and Jared Kelnick. I mean, like, like how is that even... I wouldn't trade George Kirby for Brian Reynolds. Straight up. Straight up. And then you give Matt Brash who had some problems in the rotation. But he, at worst, he's an elite setup guy. At worst, he's an elite setup guy. At worst. And then Jared Kelnick was the piece in the Edwin Diaz-Robinson Cano trade. Yeah. And yes, he hasn't had that great of a start to his career. But I think also people forget that he's 22 years old. I just think, I mean, this is just... What's a good synonym for this one? Like demented? I think unhinged is good. I think unhinged is the right one. Because, I mean, like Reynolds for Brash and Kelnick, I think that's the price. So since 2019, because a lot of people, they may not even know all that much about Brian Reynolds, right? Brian Reynolds um, was a high draft pick out of Vanderbilt, always thought that he could hit, and he has hit in Major League Baseball so far. But since 2019, this is where Brian Reynolds stacks up in terms of war. He's below a guy like Starling Marte, and he's a smidge above Byron Buxton, who's Who doesn't played, play. Who's played about a hundred and almost no 220 less games and he's right around the like Mark Canna's of the world since 2019 281 361 481 slash line he's a good player and he has a couple of years of control but why do pirates people think he's the next coming of our lord and savior how is that that is the worst mock trade. And that's only the first one that we've named. This it's is the why the Brian Reynolds talk and another synonym for crazy is passionate. I'm pretty passionate about how insane a lot of these mock trades are. And I maybe like you went over the top. 
but I don't even think I am. I'm not. I've decided I'm not. Three years of control. 23, 24, and 25. His age, 28, 29, and 30 seasons. So keep that in mind. Three years of control. That's still just absolutely crazy. All right. So that was Kirby, Brash, and Kelnick for Brian Reynolds. Now, let's go Brian Reynolds to St. Louis. This is according to Michael F. For Dylan Carlson, Matthew Liberator, and Tink Hentz. Dylan Carlson has four more years of control compared to Reynolds three. Dylan Carlson is, is a worse player than Brian Reynolds at this point, but you can dream on Dylan Carlson in the next three years, becoming as good a player as Brian Reynolds has become. Matthew Liberator was once one of the top left-handed pitching prospects in the game. And in his brief cameos at the major league level, he has struggled and Tink Hentz is one of the best pitching prospects in baseball. Limited sample size in low A this year in St. Louis with Palm Beach. But this dude shoves. He is as, I, I'd say you've got Walker and Mason Wynn, and then you've got Tink Hentz right below it in terms of untouchables in the Cardinals organization. So Carlson, Liberator, and Tink Hentz for Brian Reynolds. What say you, Peter Apple? Dylan Carlson had a bad year last year, right? Yeah. 2.4 F4. You know what Brian Reynolds had last year in terms of F4? Uh, 2.9. 2.9. Yeah. What are we talking about? Carlson has more years of control. He's a much better defender. Like, that's the thing about Brian Reynolds is we've been talking about this before that you are trading for a center fielder, but there are rumors that he might move to a corner because he's not that great of a defensive center fielder. The In this trade... It should be Tink Hentz. Maybe. Like, maybe it should be Tink Hentz. And then smaller pieces for Brian Reynolds. That I can stomach. Liberator and so Carlson. I, would say, I, would, I don't even know. Like, I wouldn't trade Carlson and Hentz for Brian Reynolds. I wouldn't. I would trade Carlson and Libby for Brian Reynolds, I think. I wouldn't. Man. Uh, you might. Maybe you're also not a Liberator believer. I'm still unsure. So personal opinion on Liberator could push that over the edge. But I think the general market, if you put out Carlson and Liberator for Brian Reynolds, I think a lot of people would say that's a lot. That's a lot. Like now I'm understanding why Varsho might get more than Brian Reynolds. Because Varsho has more years of control and is more of a Swiss Army And knife. he might be while better. He, yeah. He might be better. Like while Brian Reynolds could just hit. And he's a good hitter. I'm not taking anything away from him. Since 2019, like I said, 281, 361, 481. That's great. 126 WRC plus. Like yeah. Glaber had around there. What? Yeah. All right. What other is asinine a synonym that we can bring in? I think asinine is good. Okay. I think this is asinine. Are you impressed? I'm I didn't very even look that one up. I need to look that one up. Expanding your vernacular. Wearing a vest, saying words like asinine. You obviously did your hair this morning. I do my hair every morning. We're winning. We're, We're winning. winning in twenty. This is what folks. winning looks like. Yeah. I, <laughs> it's like Charlie Sheen, right? I'm by winning. Isn't that what he said? Uh, all right. He said the last one. Things. He said a lot La of other things. What? Oh, he other things. Yeah. yeah like other, the yeah. tiger blood, that shit. I, I don't remember that. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Last one from a guy named Nappy R. First of all, weird name. This is with the Red Sox. Brian Reynolds. All-star closer David Bednar and shortstop prospect Leover Pagaro 
to Boston for Marcelo Meyer, Tanner Houck, and Sedan Rafaela. I can't even comprehend that one. Yeah, it's it's complex. Yeah. I mean, let's just I mean, let's just write anything to write about, right? Let's just throw the trade simulator and just screw around for no apparent reason. I'm what is plug, that? I, I'm so the Pirates into the trade machine. And Leover Pogaro, I don't know much about him, but I know that you've seen plenty of him. He's fine. I They're running out of spots for infielders. That's the problem here. Like Hayes is the third baseman. Cruz is the shortstop. Second base, you got a couple of options with Jiwan Bay, with Nick Gonzalez, if he figures it out. Like the, there's really no space for Leover Pagero. And the outfield is already crowded right now. So, but do you think when they were writing up that trade proposal, do you think that was in their mind? Because maybe. to your point, the infield is crowded, so they trade for Marcelo Meyer. Again, I want to I want to make it very clear like this is not Jim and Rob putting this together. This is like fans and they react and obviously like they're shooting these down. Um again, go read the whole thing in the Athletic. Um well okay, so it was it was Bednar, I'm putting it together right now. Bednar, um Reynolds and Pigero. Uh trade simulating, trade simulating, trade simulating. Bednar, Reynolds, and Peguero trade two Red Sox for um, Meyer. Marcelo Meyer, who is the top prospect in the Red Sox system. You could say Tristan Costas, and I wouldn't be mad at you, but those two easily. Meyer was one of the top picks in the draft a couple of years ago. He is an elite bat, smooth swing, lefty who looks to stick at the position and when more prospect lists come out as guys graduate, you're going to see him at the top of a lot of lists. Okay. So Brian Reynolds apparently has a higher trade value than Marcelo Meyer, which I say, hell the fuck no to that. Um, As of right now, it comes out the Red Sox are winners by about eight points in this thing by about eight war. Uh, And that is why baseball trade values is a tough resource. And I don't want you to ever say that there's a fair trade because it goes through on the trade machine. Fair. You were you were nice and you said tough. I think it's complete and utter bullshit. Yeah, but it's so much fun, dude. It's, it's so much fun. Like dude. the NBA trade machine around. was a blast. So we needed like an MLB version of that. Yeah. There had to be crazier trades though than that Boston one. Yeah, I go to the article and read that. We obviously don't want to chip the athletic here, but those were our three favorites. Um, all right, burning questions about three teams. Burning questions about three teams. Okay, I want to start with the defending world champs, the Houston right. Astros. And, and the right. Astros, you know, have they gotten better? Have they gotten worse? And that's not my first question. Um, they have added Jose Abreu, and they have lost Justin Verlander. And I guess you consider Michael Brantley loss. No, um, they, as of right they, now, they retained Michael oh, Brantley. They retained Michael Brantley. Sorry. Um, yeah. So as of right now, Martin Maldonado and Corey Lee are splitting the catching duties around the infield. First to third is Abreu, Altuve, Pena, Bregman. Outfield left to right is Alvarez, McCormick, Tucker, and Brantley is the DH. So almost an identical team, except Jose Abreu swaps in for Yuli Gurriel. Starting rotation as it stands right now, 
Framber Valdez, Christian Javier, Lance McCullers, Luis Garcia, and Jose Arquiti slash Hunter Brown. Hunter Brown's going to be in that starting rotation. Yeah. So no Verlander. My question is, are the Astros the most flawless team in the American League? Yes. Yes. Um, They have no weaknesses. And you could say, well, the catching position, Maldonado is still a weakness. Um, And I'd say, okay, but find me five better defenders in Major League Baseball. Um, at the catching position, the Martin Maldonado, I think you're going to have a tough time doing so. And you could probably find some backups somewhere that are only used for their defense and whatever. We can argue over numbers all day, but there's a reason that the best team in baseball continues to have Martin Maldonado catch games. This They they see the fan graphs and the WRC plus that you're seeing. They obviously have something that points to the fact that Maldonado has to stay at this position. They were in on Wilson Contreras, but they didn't want to pay the money that the St. Louis Cardinals paid. They've been in on guys before. They brought in Christian Vasquez. And how much did they use Christian Vasquez instead of Martin Maldonado? There's a lot of questions here. I side with the Astros having a good idea who they have. And I think it's on the backs of he has this incredible relationship with Framber Valdez, who has blossomed into one of the top five left-handed pitchers in baseball is still just 29 years old. Christian Javier, there seems to be something there. Lance McCullers, Garcia, and then Hunter Brown, who I think when we come out with our betting episode is going to be our rookie of the year. You're convincing me more and more. I just, I'm falling in love with that pick there. Um, so you could say the catching position. I would venture to say that you are wrong. I know we at 186. Astros, they have plenty of hitting. You could say center field. But again, I could venture to say, well, find me better defenders than Chaz McCormick, and I think it's going to be tough to do so. Defense up the middle is a priority for this team, and then you have Jeremy Pena, who is already becoming one of the best defensive shortstops, and then you have Altuve Manning, second base. Kyle Tucker, he's just going to keep getting better. I think we forget he is only 26 years old. Hard to find a better hitter overall in baseball than Jordan Alvarez. Alex Bregman is a top 50 player in Major League Baseball, no doubt about it. And then you bring back Michael Brantley, who we know is just going to hit. And then you put the 2020 MVP at first base, which was their perceived weakness with Yuli Gurriel. And it was really just last year. So the offense is about as good as it can get. Rotation, about as good as it can get. They were, we, on the episode, which I highly recommend you um, listen with Foolish Baseball. um, He said it best. If there was a team that could lose Justin Verlander, it was the Houston Astros. And then you look at the bullpen. I mean... Where is the weakness? There's no Where weakness. Is- I mean, Presley had a had a two nine eight ERA, but Ryan Presley's Ryan Presley. We know what he can do. Rafael Montero had a two four. They retained him on a multi year deal in sixty and a third innings. Brian Abreu had a sub two ERA. Abreu is fucking nasty. Ryan Stanek is nasty. He had a one one five in fifty four innings, I and mean, they didn't even use like- him that much in the playoffs. Ryan exactly. Stanek. That just goes to show how good their bullpen is. That a guy with a one one five ERA, it, he wasn't really used, and they won the World Series decently easy. Now, next question: This team was so ridiculously healthy. They were the healthiest team in baseball this past year. And you got to credit the Houston Astros for that, right? It's not just happenstance. Like you can take calculated measures to make sure your team stays healthy. And their starters, aside from Verlander with a calf thing at the end of the year, and he's 40, did not miss starts. Framber Valdez did not miss starts. Javier did not miss starts. Lance McCullers, he was a non-factor until the postseason 
we should be gearing up for a full season of Lance McCullers here. My question is, if they do get hit by the injury bug, are they deep enough? Because you've got your your four-man bench as it stands right now is Corey Lee, David Hensley, Mauricio Dubon, and Jake Myers with Yaner Diaz waiting in the wings, with J.J. Matajevic waiting in the wings. Um, I mean, you got like a, a Bly Madris who they just acquired, a Pedro Leon, a Justin Durden waiting in the wings. I, I'm not sure that they've got the talent that's able to adequately replace a starter if they do go down. Maybe. Um, but I look at this team and I think to myself, uh, you never know, of course, but who's going down? I mean, unless you have that's a the thing, we injury. can't guess who's going down. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you could say, Bradley, I'm more worried about the rotation with somebody going down rather than the offense, because let's say Jose Altuve goes down, who was one of baseball's best hitters. He finished fourth in WRC plus last year is a lineup of Brantley, Jordan, Bregman. How are they going to do it? They're not going to feel it. That's how good they are. So, and then you put Dubon at second base and he'll be probably replacement level. He's not going to be below replacement level. He's going to be fine. So, Yes, if a big piece goes down, are they going to be perfect? No, but no team is. I'm more worried about Lance McCullers suffering another injury and them having to get a lot of innings from Jose Arquiti. That's why I, even though the Orioles should do it, the Astros getting Cueto, I think when we talked about, well, how is Cueto going to get innings, there is still the worry there of if one of those guys goes down, you would need an innings eater, and what better of an innings eater than a guy like Cueto, who won't be that expensive? So, to play devil's advocate, they already have six guys. So if yeah, one guy goes down, then they have five. Yes, yes. I would just rather Cueto get in innings over Akiti. I think that Cueto versus Luis Garcia in 2023, like we give Luis Garcia some love, but He's a good five, but I think that's what he is. That's why it, it, we're 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 splitting hairs here. We're talking about the best team in baseball. That's what we do. That's what we do. So if I'm the GM and I just want another level of safety, give me the Cueto, who has been consistent at least for the past 40 years in Major League Baseball. And you know the Astros will just tinker with something and he'll give you a 2-2 ERA. Probably win the Cy Young. So, final question in regards to the Houston Astros. Not named Shohei Otani. Who's got better odds to win American League MVP than Jordan Alvarez? Judge. Is that it? Probably. Um, Vlad Jr.? No, I would put Jordan there because they both deal with the same thing where the defense doesn't really matter. I know and Blue Jays fans are going to be upset with me saying, well, look at Flatty's defense at first base. I promise you, if we get an MVP snubs, MVP defense at first base or defense at first base for an MVP doesn't matter. Doesn't really matter. It's who's going to hit better. And if I had to put a ticket somewhere, if I had to put my money down on somewhere, I would say that Jordan Alvarez has the better offensive season than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. does. I just love that Jordan was a 300, 400, 600 hitter. 
this year. He was a 306, 406, 613 slash in 561 plate appearances. I also like that Jordan, there was, remember at the end of the playoffs there, there was a problem with Jordan. It was the, yeah, but he hit a ball to the fucking moon. I was about to tee that up. I was like, he had that one problem with the high fastball and then Jose Alvarado drops it this much for all on YouTube, this much. And he hits it to the freaking moon. So yeah, I don't see much of an issue for Jordan Alvarez. Well, Vladdy. Doesn't get much better than him offensively, but he did struggle a little bit last year. I expect him to make um, the adjustments, and he'll probably be fourth when preseason MVP voting comes out, but we'll see. Oh, also, what about Otani's teammate, Mr. Michael? Oh, I forgot about that guy. Yeah, he's pretty good. Stays healthy. He's pretty good. Fair. All right, moving to the LA Dodgers here. We got two teams in the NL West to wrap this thing. Um the Dodgers, yes, they should be considered one of the favorites to get out of the National League, but for the last couple of years, it's been Dodgers versus the field, right? They've been so much better. And then all of a sudden, this really quiet offseason comes around. And, you know, it's nice that you've got a couple of guys that that are out, like, you know, Justin Turner finished the year incredibly strong. Like, that is a loss that they got to deal with. But it's kind of nice that they don't have to give Cody Bellinger at-bats anymore, to be totally honest. But the problem is, what do they replace him with in the lineup? I want to talk about the lineup first and then the starting rotation because that's where my biggest question lies. As of right now, Will Smith is the catcher with Austin Barnes as his backup. The first baseman is Freddie Freeman. Second base, Chris Taylor, likely. Gavin Lux is the shortstop. Max Muncy at third base. James Outman in left. Trace Thompson in center. Mookie Betts in right. J.D. Martinez, who they signed as the DH. And Miguel Vargas and Jason Hayward are currently on the bench. I think this lineup lacks depth to win the World Series. Do you think they are top-heavy enough to overcome the lack of depth? No, because I don't think that they're better than the Houston Astros. And if we're talking about winning the World Series, you have to pit them up against the best teams in baseball. And the best team in baseball going into the season is the Houston Astros. The Astros, they have moderate weaknesses when you could point to the catcher center fielder, I guess. But it's ambitious to put Gavin Lux at shortstop. He was already dealing with the fact that he couldn't throw the ball over from second base to first base. And now you're going to put him at shortstop. I know he came up as a shortstop, but there's a reason they moved him off there. I know that they had Seager and they had Trey Turner. So what, you're going to put him at shortstop? No, but there's a reason that they put him at second base and then he didn't perform all that well at second base. And now you're going to move over to shortstop. That's ambitious. Chris Taylor, worst offensive season we've seen from him in a while. And he's only getting older. Now he's your everyday second baseman. You lose that positional versatility with Chris Taylor by putting him at a sole position. Don't love that. Trace Thompson, that's your guy. I know he hit really well, but is that your guy at 32 years old? James Outman. Now in 16 games, he was unbelievable offensively, but it's the, it's a minuscule sample size. What are we going to see from him? Remember he was a seventh rounder, the Dodgers. They love to turn seventh rounders into everyday regulars. They're, the next one is James Outman, but is he the guy? Um, I want to see a lot of Miguel Vargas this year. I do. Um, I really do think that you should put Vargas at third. You put 
Muncie at second, and then you put Lux at short and Taylor I, in center and Thompson to the bench. I guess, or you just you maybe you. Uh, I know they're both righties, but you know platoon guys or however you want to do it. Timeshare, timeshare. That's how I would do it. Um, I'm putting Miguel Vargas in the lineup opening day. This Miguel guy Vargas needs unreal. to start playing. He He's got to start playing. He's 23 Absolutely. years old. He's been good enough for the last two years. Like he needs to start playing Major League Baseball. Absolutely, but there are holes on this team. But the Dodgers, what they're really good at is getting the most out of these guys. But it's just the most out of these guys. It's not the level of the Astros. So I can't say that they could win the World Series. Of course, anything could happen. But the Mets are pretty damn good. The yes. Braves are pretty damn good. We're going to count out the Phillies after making that run. All they got to do is sneak in. And the Padres, if we're looking at projected war, the Padres are over the Dodgers. So, no, this is the one season where I'm not thinking to myself, oh, yeah, pencil the Dodgers into the World Series, even though they haven't really been making it. Yeah. No, I can't. I can't pencil the Dodgers in unless they make real changes. Yeah, And I know we're going to eat our words on guys like Yanni Hernandez and Jason Hayward. And I mean, shit, even Trace Thompson again. Um, I love what James Outman can do. And I think that he's going to be a great big leaguer for them. Um, Define great. I I think that he's going to be great for them. I think he's going to be a 700 to 750 OPS guy. That's right. The reason I ask is I'm so unsure. Yeah, I'm so um, unsure. So I was really curious what you meant by that. He's got tools out the ass. He does. Absolutely. Crazy tools. And he um, slugged 862 in 16 games for them. Yeah. Like, I mean, shit, dude, he hit 462. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it, 16 plate appearances, not 16 games. But oh, 16 plate appearances. That Excuse me. You know, we can we can bank on all these guys being good. Like we can bank on Vargas being good. We can bank on, you know, Andy Pajes getting his first taste of big league baseball, or Ryan Ward getting his first taste of big league baseball and being good if injuries strike the LA Dodgers. But you know, we for the sake of this conversation, I want to not assume that these guys are going to automatically be good. On paper, can they survive 162? Yes. Okay. Oh, of course they can, because to your point. What the Astros lack, the Dodgers have in depth farm. in their farm system. A farm. I mean, if you they were don't have depth about... at the big league level, they have depth in the farm. Exactly. Like we could see Bobby Miller this year. We could see Gavin, um, Stone. Gavin Stone this year. We could see Andy Pajes. We could see a lot of these guys. Like we are in for a Miguel Vargas could go off. Yes. Like, this guy is really good. And he could play left. He's yes. shown that he could play left as well. So that takes me to the starting pitching conversation. And my question was going to be, can this rotation survive without Walker Bueller, who is the best innings eater in baseball by my money? So you've got Kershaw, Urias, Tony Gonsolin, Noah Syndergaard, who you just signed, and Dustin May, who's working his way back from TJ. Um, You've got Bobby Miller and Gavin Stone waiting in the wings. You also have Ryan Pepio waiting in the wings. Is this starting rotation good enough to dominate in the way that we have been accustomed to the Dodger rotation dominating. I kind of love it. I know it sounds weird and there's a lot of injury concerns there with Dustin May and Clayton Kershaw, of course. Yeah. But Arias is one of the best pitchers in the sport. Yes. Tony Gonsolin was on a Cy Young track. Now, does he replicate that success? Probably not. But if he regresses, he's still going to be pretty damn good. And Syndergaard, that just feels like a Dodgers turning him into back to 99 or something no shot he's back to 99 promise i don't you that. know 
I'll get I'll get an ass tat if he's back to 99 miles an hour. Fair. Stop. You and Aram need to stop doing this. No, I'm in. Like, clearly... I already have tats. Like, that's the thing with okay. Aram. He never had one, so he was, like, terrified of that. I already have one, so I'll get, like, a Noah Syndergaard ass tat or something. Listeners of the Just Baseball Show, please remember this. Please. If Don't Noah Syndergaard... How about this? If Noah Syndergaard breaks triple digits this coming year, I'll get an ass tat. Good. I don't know why everyone on this podcast is promising ass tattoos or promising tattoos in general and takes. Sure. I thought I was a hot take guy. And now you are not only making a take. Well, it's not even a hot take for a hot take for me is for him to get to 99. I hope he's throwing a hundred. That's all I can say. He won't. He won't. But not only are they trying to replace what Walker Bueller typically gives them on a year to year basis, but remember this rotation is also without Tyler Anderson who's in Anaheim now. They're also without Andrew Heaney, who's in Texas now. So you've got to fill these innings, man. And I think that they need to rely on Bobby Miller and Gavin Stone. And selfishly, I think they're ready for that. But here, how about this? Find an organization with two better pitching prospects than those two. You could say the Phillies with Painter and Abel, maybe. Maybe. We could go around. But I'm talking about MLB ready right now. Name an organization with two pitchers that are both what top 30 guys that yeah, are going just about to make for sure top 50, like these guys. I, I can't off the top of my head. Maybe the Rays, if you count Shane Boz in with Taj Bradley, but you can't because he's he's been a big leaguer now. Maybe the Guardians there with. Espino and Gavin Williams. But Espino's coming off a shoulder thing. That's what I'm saying. It's the Dodgers. Yeah, it's the Dodgers. I mean, Bobby Miller and Gavin Stone are both consensus top 100. I think they're both top 50 in, in just baseball's top 100. And if, so. and if you haven't heard about these two motherfuckers, Bobby Miller looks like Walker Bueller right now. now with, he doesn't have the bigger command. legs. With bigger legs. He doesn't He's like have a the beefy command. Walker Bueller. He doesn't have the command that Bueller does, but this dude throws fuzz. And then Gavin Stone might be a better overall pitcher than him. So these guys could be aces in our league one day, and they got both of them, and that's just in case Arias Kershaw may. And may went on. May is like Glasnow. When May pitches, when Glasnow pitches, you watch the television and think to yourself, how do these guys ever give up hits? Dude, I don't know. Not runs hits i don't know i don't know can i just say i'm so stupidly excited for a full season of mcclanahan and glass now together oh i can't wait i can't wait that's why i said new year's resolution please stay healthy yeah the springs and rasmussen are great too like yeah. they're low rasmussen's no joke He's and if wander plays a full 162 yeah wow all right, last one that we got to go over here is San Diego. And San Diego has obviously made some some massive splashes. No more massive than Xander Bogarts, who signed a $280 million deal for 11 years. So as of right now, and, you know, I was talking to, and I know you know him as well, Ben Stevens on SportsGrid. I, I hopped on a SportsGrid the morning after, and this was right after the Bogarts thing. This was the morning after the Xander Bogarts thing. Um, and I didn't call him... 
the most talented or the best team, I told him, I, I called them the most top heavy team that we've seen in a really long time. Huh. Because yes, you've got Juan Soto and Manny Machado and Xander Bogarts and Jake Cronenworth, but then you fill out the rest of the lineup with, you know, and, and working from top to bottom, like Hassan Kim, who's really good. I love Hassan Kim. Matt Carpenter, who had a rejuvenation, but then Austin Nola, Trent Grisham, Jose Azokar, Matthew Batten, Brandon Dixon, Max Schrock are on the bench. And then pitching-wise, Darvish, Musgrove, Snell, great. Then Nick Martinez and Seth Lugo to figure out the five. They've got no farm. They've got Hayter and Suarez and, you know, Luis Garcia. But then you go to the Tim Hills and the Nabel Chrismats. Like, every aspect of their team is loaded at the top and it quickly dissolves. Are they deep enough to be true World Series contenders? I, I it's 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 all about Tatis. I mean, what are we going to get? Are we going to get elite Tatis? Are we going to get top ten overall player in baseball Tatis? I assume that we will. I have no reason to believe that we wouldn't. But it's just hard when we're projecting, and I get I have to take their fiftieth percentile outcome. I still think the Dodgers win this division. I still think the Dodgers will just figure out a way. I'm always in the boat of they have to prove it to me. And the Padres, so the thing is with regular season versus the playoffs, this Padres team is a phenomenal playoff team. You shorten the series, you get Darvish, Snell, Musgrove, you get the best bullpen arms, and you get the top-heavy offense. That's how they can roll. But over the regular season... This bottom of the team sucks. Like sucks. with James Outman compared to Jose Azacar, it's Outman by a trillion. Trent Grisham versus like a Trace Thompson, who I could be excited about, but we'll see what they do. Trent Grisham was terrible last year. I have no reason to believe that he's going to be any better. Austin Nola had that short stint in the playoffs. That's why the playoffs are so random, and that's why it's so awesome. But Austin Nola, I mean, come on. At 33, come on. Matt Carpenter, you know what I saw as a Yankee fan? Speaking Yankees to Padres fans, if you're listening, I'd be very afraid because he had that great start. And, you know, those articles came out about how he fixed his swing. And maybe he came back from injury too fast at 37 years old. And that's what led to the no-show um, at the end of the playoffs there. But let's not forget that the Yankees got Matt Carpenter for basically nothing. And then he came onto the scene and he was playing in Yankee Stadium. Now he's going to Petco. You can't promise anything with Matt Carpenter. I don't want anybody to think that he is all of a sudden going to do what he did with the Yankees. There is there is a better chance that he hits below 200 than replicates what he did with the Yankees. Agreed. I'm not going on record saying he's going to be terrible. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, this team is so tough to digest, it's man. Because so like. Tough. Part of me is thinking, okay, they can't spend more on what they might do. They might just send everybody out. They might spend even more. I have no idea what they're going to do, especially now in this this post-Steve Cohen world, right? I've got no fucking clue how other owners are going to go about building rosters. This offense gets crazy when you can put Tatis in at left. It gets crazy, like nuts, stupidly, stupidly nuts. But... Are they deep enough? Like, and Tatis- they're in the conversation. They're in the conversation, but I think the main point of it is they didn't do enough in this offseason 
to say, all right, this is the Padres division now. This is the Padres making it out of the National League. They didn't. They are, I still think of them in the same breath that I did last year. They're going to finish second. They're going to make the playoffs. They can make a run because they are this well-oiled playoff machine like the Phillies are, but they're not going to win 100 games. I don't even put them at 95 games. I think they win 91-92. They make the playoffs, and we might just see the same thing happen all over again. I don't know, but they're going to be good. This also totally slipped my uh, my eyes in in mid December, like late December, right before Christmas. on On December nineteenth, the Padres signed Pedro Severino to a minor league contract, the catcher who got popped for PEDs. So they've got two ped guys. <laughs> it's fucking awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> I awesome. feel I feel so bad for Tatis, man. I do. Why? Because I love him. I love him to death. He did it He's... to himself. I know he is, you know, we lose, we forget how phenomenal it is to watch him play baseball. No, it's so, so, so much fun, but it is. Besides Otani, it's Tatis for me in terms of entertainment factor. Correct. But can we acknowledge that it is and will continue to be for the rest of his career a tainted product? Of course. And that's what sucks. That's why I feel bad. Now, rebuttal to my own point here. Tainted products are still really fun to watch. I think everybody had a really good time watching Barry Bonds when he was at the peak of his powers, even though you know it was a tainted product. In hindsight, like I remember my first baseball memories were Sammy Sosa. I don't care that he juiced because he provided my first great baseball memories. And I know like it, it goes into something a little bit bigger than that. And Hey, we're in hall of fame conversation already. And there, you know, there's really like no juicers that are at the peak of the hall of fame conversation. Um, and, and the hall of fame conversation, by the way, is a lot quieter now that bonds and Clemens are running it. But um, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I am firmly like, this is an entertainment business. That was a part of baseball history. You know, it's, it's not okay, but like, I acknowledge that it's a museum and they should be in. And I still derived a ton of enjoyment watching them in their later years. Like I was born in 98. I do remember watching 2004 Barry Bonds. I do remember watching, you know, early 2000s Sammy Sosa. So I, I derive enjoyment from that. I'm still going to derive enjoyment from watching Fernando Tatis when he comes back midway through this season. Um, but it is a tainted product and I won't ignore that. Yeah, we're human beings. At the end of the day, this is an entertainment process. Uh, this is an entertainment business. Yes. And like Trevor Bauer throws at a game, I'm watching game one. As much as you can hate him, if you like him, I don't care. I don't have an opinion. Well, I do have an opinion, but I'm not about to say it here. I'm watching that game. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Um, everything you need is in the show notes. We'll save the MVP snubs. Fair. Let's save the MVP stumps. Go check it out. It's in the episode description. Top 10, all time. I didn't put my own personal. Oh, well, I think that war is so important. I think that it, MVP success of the team matters. This is not about that. These are the actual snubs. These are the actual snubs when they had all the information and they still screwed it up. Go check that out in the episode description and go check out the episode with Foolish Baseball, one of my favorite interviews we've ever done. He was awesome. Uh, Bailey Freeman. Definitely go continue to check out his YouTube channel. And how about our YouTube channel? 
If you're watching us on YouTube, what's going on? Thank you for listening. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that like button. Tell us in the comments section what you think about the Dodgers, the Astros, the Padres, all those asinine Brian Reynolds trades. And we appreciate you listening. 2023 is our year, Jack McMullen. Yes, it is. And with that, thank you, everybody.